0: This is Sunday Morning Magazine with your host, Rodney Lear. And welcome back to Sunday Morning Magazine. Remember, as always, you can always find more information about the show on social media Sunday Morning Magazine with Rodney Lear on Facebook. Like and follow us there. Instagram and Twitter at Rodney Lear on Air. Or you can listen to the show anytime you like. Head to your favorite podcast app like Podcast One or anywhere you get your podcast and subscribe to Sunday Morning Magazine. With Rodney Lear. Up next, we talk career building information, side hustle job search, resumes, job interviewing coaches, and salary negotiations. Here this morning to help us through it all is Fatima Mirza. She is with Career Tuners. It's our pleasure to welcome Fatima to the show. Good morning. How are you? I'm good. How are you? I'm doing good. Now, you are with Career Tuners. Tell us about Career Tuners, if you will.
1: Sure. So I founded Career Tuners in 2010, and we have since grown to becoming a small team of highly specialized, certified resume writers, career coaches, interview coaches, and negotiation experts. And our main job is helping ambitious job seekers, usually people who are aiming for salaries that pay uh, above 120k, 150k in California. Um, basically, we help them find better, more satisfying work. Our services encompass four main components. We have a reinventing service, which basically entails career coaching, helping people find a, a career path that better matches their skill set, that better matches what the market is looking for, that better matches their you know work-life balance goals, their pay goals, everything, and that also entails a little bit of leadership coaching if you know they want to go for like a management executive level position. The second service is rebranding. We help people with their resumes, LinkedIn's, and cover letters. We do them completely from scratch after having a detailed conversation with them about their history. Uh, We make sure that the rebranding is in line with what the market is looking for. And then the third service is career mobilization, which basically means getting your resume out there. We distribute your resume to uh, recruiters. We apply to jobs for you, et cetera. Basically whatever you need. And then the final service that we offer is helping our clients maximize their earning potential. And we do this with our interview coaching service and our salary negotiation service.
0: All right. So we'll talk more about career in a minute, but you're here this morning to talk about side hustles. So explain to us what a side hustle is. I know growing up, uh, you have many people may have family members who have been doing this all along, but what is a side hustle?
1: Sure. So a side hustle is a job that you can basically take on top of your full-time job. Usually it involves... Something that you really love or are passionate about. So if you really like writing, maybe your side hustle is doing copywriting for small businesses. If you really like photography, maybe your side hustle is, you know, helping people optimize their Instagram presences.
0: So what's the difference between a side hustle and going out to get a part-time job?
1: They're similar, definitely. And I think some people might define them similarly. But I would define a side hustle as something where you're kind of entrepreneurial. You're doing your own thing. You're your own boss versus a part-time job, you know, it's kind of more formal, there's a contract, there's like an end date and a start date and all of that. I think a side hustle is something you can kind of scale down or scale up as you like. If you really find that your side hustle is profitable, maybe you decide, I'm going to quit my job and do this for eight hours a day, maybe even 12 hours a day, you know, depending on whatever your goals are. I actually started Career Tuners as a side hustle, and today it is my full-time job. And for the past 12 years, I've helped thousands of people with our paid services and hundreds of thousands with our free resources.
0: All right, there you go. Now, how many people have side hustles and what do we know about the numbers? Do we know anything about the numbers there?
1: Yeah, so I was looking at a 2019 survey and it says that around 45% of working Americans have a side hustle outside their main job. I feel like anecdotally, um, this should have increased, especially after uh, the COVID upheaval with the job market. So I'm fairly confident this number should be higher. If not, I'm sure some people have had side hustles that they contributed to, uh, during the pandemic, and maybe they're back to working full-time now.
0: And in case you're just tuning in, you're listening to Sunday Morning Magazine. I'm Rodney Lear. More information on the show, more information on our guests can always be found on social media, Sunday Morning Magazine with Rodney Lear on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter at Rodney Lear on air. Or you can listen to the show anytime you like. Head to your favorite podcast app and subscribe to Sunday Morning Magazine with Rodney Lear on the phone with me now is Fatima Mirza. She is with Career Tuners. She's here this morning to talk about side hustles, resumes, and the job search. Now, what are some of the reasons that many people take on a side hustle?
1: Sure. Um, so especially during the pandemic, we were having a lot of people approaching us with help for, you know, starting side hustles and stuff. Um because it gives you income, like when when you're unemployed and, and you need something just to kind of cushion your financials a little bit, you can take on a side hustle. The other thing that I highly recommend people exploring side hustles for is if you are not really finding that much um, fulfillment in your current job, taking on a side hustle where you where you do can help you polish some of your skills so that you can rebrand yourself for a complete career transition. For example, I had a client who, Um, was very, very passionate about Middle East affairs and his experience was all related to hospitality. And he was just doing that to pay the bills. He was like a hotel clerk and an usher and all of those things. And he had all of those kinds of experiences on his resume. But when I started talking to him, I learned that he had been in the leadership position of several nonprofits whose goal was to fundraise for people in the Middle East or to Um, you know, bring awareness to causes related to, you know, disparity in the Middle East, income disparity in the Middle East and all of that. So what we did is we kind of redid his resume, focusing more on his volunteer experiences and the side hustle. It wasn't a paid hustle, but it was still a hustle. And because of that, he was able to get a job in the UN. So basically a side hustle can really help you establish yourself as a powerful player in whatever market you're interested in
0: exploring, There you go. Now, how do you leverage your side hustle to build your resume? How do you do that? You just gave an example right there. So, right. Is that right? Yes,
1: absolutely. And there's other examples, too. I mean, a lot of people, especially in the younger generations, they have a lot of experience with digital marketing. Maybe you have an Instagram page with thousands of followers. Well, guess what? Business owners like me who are struggling with creating consumable, interesting content we might be interested in getting your take on how we can kind of Leverage the platform to get our message out there and and engage with more people. So, just basically think about what it is you're passionate about. How can a business owner or a larger company utilize that to add to their bottom line, solve a problem, make things faster, make things better, get the word out more, uh, and and just basically help them with that. That's, I mean, that's if you're serving businesses. There are also tons of other side hustles where you're not serving businesses. If you're really good at. Doing nails, you can you know start like a mobile nail shop. If you are really good at tutoring, you can become a tutor. So I mean, there's anything that you can do if you can find a market for it, you can leverage it to build to your resume. So let's take the, let's take the example of starting a nail shop in in your um, out of your car basically. So you're going around and you're going from office to office and you're doing people's nails during their lunch hours. How can you leverage that to build up your resume? Well, you're building your customer service skills, you have really excellent um, calendar management skills, you obviously have really good sales skills, and probably marketing because you're marketing your services. So all of these are really critical skills that you can talk about in your resume, but you have to do it with the point of view of the job that you're looking for. So if the job you're looking for is, let's say, like an office secretary You want to focus more on calendar management and customer service as opposed to sales and marketing. Does that make sense?
0: Makes perfect sense. And again, in case you're just tuning in, you're listening to Sunday Morning Magazine. I'm Rodney Lear. More information about the show, more information about our guests can always be found on social media. Sunday Morning Magazine with Rodney Lear on Facebook. Like and follow us there. On the phone with me is Fatima Mirza. She is with Career Tuners. Now, let's go over some of the more popular side hustles and let's talk about how much money you can possibly bring in from these side hustles as well.
1: Absolutely. So with each side hustle, you will get paid way more if you have relevant credentials or experiences. So I can share ranges with you, but the ranges can be really broad. So like, for example, if you're tutoring, you can get paid as little as $15 an hour to as much as $100, $150 per hour. If we take my mom as an example, she's a retired school teacher with decades of experience, and she has so much history just helping little kids get excited about science. A professional like her can probably command, you know, towards the $100 range, while someone who is maybe like a high school student looking for like a summer job might not be able to. But that's not to say you should not aim high. If you feel like, you know what? Yeah, I'm young. I don't have much experience, but I have passion and I have skill and I know I can do a good job. Why not, you know, aim for like $50 an hour, $100 an hour, set your rate and see who bites and if you need to adjust you always can. I always recommend going higher. Um, Some of the most highly paid side hustles in addition to tutoring include personal training, which you can get certifications for, managing digital media for small businesses, which again you can get certifications for, graphic design and party planning. Um, I find that the highest paid side hustles aren't just the ones that you're more skilled in, but also the ones with the least upfront cost. So, for example, if you are tutoring and your rate is $100 per hour, if you find that you have to tutor in person, I would recommend adding in the cost of travel and gas and everything, the, the time it takes to get ready to, to go to those homes uh, into your rate. Otherwise, if you're doing everything from home, your everything you're earning is going to just be be added to the bottom line. So uh, if you are looking to maximize your pay, consider looking at side hustles where um, you don't have to put anything in terms of investment.
0: So doing research for this particular segment, it looks like a lot of companies are looking for people to transcribe for them. Tell me about what you know about transcribing and is that a lucrative side hustle as well?
1: Yeah, transcription could definitely be done. If you're looking for transcription jobs, there's tons of, you know, postings on freelancing sites like Upwork, Fiverr, etc. But with side hustles, if you can go for some, you know, a skill that not everyone can deliver, uh, you'll find that you'll be able to pay be able to pay, uh, get paid more. So for example, if you are passionate about transcription, if you really like listening to calls and you like transcribing them, if you have like court reporting skills, if you can use one of those transcription machines, you can do live transcription and probably get paid a lot more than someone who is just listening to audio files on their computer and plugging away at their laptop. Uh, so for each hustle, consider how you can build your skill up and how you can provide maximum value and you'll be able to up your rates.
0: All right. Again, in case you're just tuning in, we're talking to Fatima Mirza. She is with Career Tuners. Now, let's talk about the resume and job search. Um, You're expert at that area. Let's talk about how the digital age and social media has changed the way employers find candidates and how job seekers can interface with prospective employers. How does that work now? The digital age has really changed things.
1: Absolutely. So basically, everything now runs with applicant tracking systems. Applicant tracking systems are tools used by companies that work very similar to how you would use Google. So when you go to Google, you type something in and it gives you quick snippets of various pages that you could be looking at. And those pages are ranked based on what Google thinks best matches your search. Sometimes the top result is exactly what we're looking for, but sometimes we have to dig a bit. And it's very similar to how recruiters are using applicant tracking systems to search for candidates. When you upload your resume online to any job platform, you're logging in to the job seekers view. And what you see is basically what every other job seeker sees. Recruiters and hiring managers, on the other hand, have their own recruiter view. They see all the candidates that fit their search criteria, just like when you open up Google, you, f- you see all the pages that fit your search criteria. So at first, you know, when when they're first doing their search, they're not going to be looking at your resume at all unless they decide they want to click on, you know, the search result and open it up and read through it. Um, So it's really critical that your resume rank well uh, in terms of the recruiter search criteria, and you can do that by making sure your resume is optimized for applicant tracking systems, by making sure that it's clean and neat and easy to read, like any software can read it. It's not, like, very heavy graphically, Uh, by making sure it has the right keywords basically what you have to do is think about it this way if you were hiring someone like you what would you search for what tools would you search for what job titles would you search for uh you can make this process easier by looking up a few job descriptions that interest you and kind of copying and pasting some of the keywords some of the tools and stuff some of the skills that you're like yeah you know what this totally matches my profile if we want to go like more into detail about applicant tracking systems, I mean keywords aren't the only thing they're looking at. If that was the case, we can just copy and paste job descriptions and like dump them in a resume and we'd be doing great. But Applicant tracking systems also screen people out for years of experience, location, job titles, experience with specific tools, and a bunch of other factors. And it all sounds really complicated and intimidating and discouraging. It does, doesn't it? Mm -hmm. But I promise you, there's a solution for everything. Like, even if you had to take an employment gap because you were in jail, like, there's a solution for that. There's a way to talk about that in your resume. If you don't have the right job title, if you don't have the right experience, if you have too much experience. There's a way to make sure uh, you rank well in applicant tracking systems and it has to be unique to you. So if this is something that you feel like you're struggling with, you're like, I am just not getting hits. I keep getting rejected. Just reach out to me.
0: Okay. so since we're talking about resumes, what are some of the biggest mistakes that you see people make with their resumes? What do you see on a professional level? What do you see?
1: Sure. I think the easiest and most low-hanging fruit that you can quickly do today, if you have five minutes, is making sure your resume isn't too fancy. Like, it's not made using one of those, like, online resume tools, online resume builders with the fancy templates and the colors and the graphics and everything. And the reason for that is because um, a lot of the companies that you might be applying to, they might not have the budget for the most recent and up-to-date applicant tracking system or recruiting tool Uh, Theirs might be really outdated, it might have a hard time reading, you know, what I'm sure is a very beautifully laid out document, but your best bet is to use a resume that's as plain and neat, black and white, you know, Word document, just as simple as you can get. And that's something you can do today, it should really help your applicant tracking system ranking. The second mistake I see some of our most accomplished clients making is including each and everything that you have done in your career. This can backfire. Everyone who does this, does this with best of intentions. They're like, these are all the skills I can offer. I want to help companies. I want to help businesses achieve such, such, and such. But this backfires because it causes employees to pigeonhole you. So for example, I see this mistake a lot. Software as a sales uh, jobs are really popular. almost always pay above six figures. But if you're looking for a job selling software to medium-sized businesses, Don't explicitly mention that the majority of your sales experience is selling cars because when someone looks at your resume, they're going to be like, this person doesn't have the technical background to, you know, work well here. So you never want to give readers the thought that, oh, this experience is irrelevant, has nothing to do with my hiring needs. You want people to read your resume and quickly connect the dots. You want them to be like, this is the skill that this person has, and this is exactly going to solve my business problem. Um, And the reason we have to make it so, 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 so easy for our readers is because everything is digital. Everything's really fast. Once, you know, you post a job, you get hundreds of applications and these guys are barely spending seconds on your resume. If that, like I mentioned earlier, they don't even have to click on your resume and read it completely if you're, it's not ranking high enough, right? Just like you don't read every page of Google when you're, when you're looking for something. Um, so you have to make it easy for them to connect the dots. Once they open your resume, they're just going to be skimming. You want it to just hit them, like punch them in the face with how awesome you are. Mm. Uh, and that's one of the other biggest mistakes I see people making is not including the keywords that you need to rank high. So compare the language in your resume with the language and the jobs that you're interested in, like the job descriptions, and make sure that you're pulling at least what's relevant to your profile on there.
0: And again, in case you're just tuning in, you're listening to Sunday Morning Magazine. I'm Rodney Lear. More information about the show, more information about our guests can always be found on social media Sunday Morning Magazine with Rodney Lear on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter at Rodney Lear on Air. This morning, we're talking to career tuners fatima mirza she's here this morning to talk about um obviously resume and career building and let's talk about interviewing skills when you work with people and you interview coach them what are some simple tips you can offer to our listeners this morning on the crucial face-to-face interview
1: i think the most critical thing that trips people up in face-to-face interviews is that they get really nervous and i always recommend you know, don't just interview with your dream companies, interview with everybody. That kind of takes the pressure off. And also you might find something like really interesting. At the very least, it's like free interview practice, right? Okay. The other thing I recommend for, uh, you know, getting your nerves in control is make sure you're physically very comfortable. A lot of people dress up, they wear like their old tight suits and pencil skirts <laughs> that they haven't been able to fit into. And you're not going to be able to breathe. And you just want to look good. You want to be comfortable. You want to feel good about yourself. You want to be well rested. Don't be overly caffeinated. Make sure you're there a little early so you're not running around and all sweaty trying to get to your interview on time. And one of the key things is I think a lot of people kind of freak out because they're not sure how their faces look. Practice your interview answers in front of a mirror or in like the selfie version of your camera. Just get used to your face moving and get comfortable with how you look to yourself. And I think that really helps reduce interview nerves and the other thing you have to do to reduce interview nerves is prepare and I know a lot of people especially in sales are like I'm a smooth talker I can sell anything I can sell myself (laughs) I don't need to prepare and it's and those are the kind of people unfortunately that you know come across as very unprofessional because they're rambling they I for example did this um did an interview recently and this lady The first question, she gave me a 23 minute answer for a sales job. And since, you know, I have the job that I have, I'm very empathetic. I understood, okay, she's rambling because she's nervous, but she was really oversharing. She was talking trash about her previous bosses. And, you know, this is like, it reflected very poorly on her. And not everyone is going to look at you with the same level of empathy and kindness A lot of the people that are doing interviews, you know, they're nervous about their corporate goals. They're anxious about them. Um, They'll discriminate against people. They'll, you know, look at you as a piece of paper. They'll look at you as an expense. And it's very, very dehumanizing. So it's so, so important to prepare to just look at your resume, look at the job descriptions that, that you're applying, like that you're being interviewed for. And for each point in the job description, each bullet be like, oh, this is a time when I did that. This is the related like success story that I have. In the long run, I do hope that the job search world becomes kinder to job seekers. And I do see people making a lot of effort in the right direction. There's a lot of effort being undertaken to help people uh, of minority backgrounds, underserved communities and stuff like that. But in the meantime, our best bet to being successful in the job search world is to understand how are you coming across Are you rambling? Do you sound whiny? Do your answers make sense with respect to the job that you're interviewing for? And figure out what's missing. You can ask a friend to help you. You can have them do like a mock interview and you can record it on your cell phone uh, with camera on, obviously, so that you know know, how you're moving and and you can get comfortable with your own body. And have your friend be critically honest with you. That level of preparation is so critical because especially for people who feel very, very confident, sometimes you might be, you know, kind of blind to some of the things that you, that might sound appraisive to employers.
0: Okay. Do you believe in always putting your best foot forward, even if you're a teenager and say you're going to a job and you may be applying to a fast food restaurant and they may feel like, you know, I don't need to wear a suit and tie. It's just, you know, it's just this fast food restaurant chain. I don't need to, but I believe in putting your best foot forward all the time. So that's just me.
1: Yeah, I mean, I wouldn't wear, like, a tuxedo or anything, but you just <laughs> want to see, like, how is everyone else dressed at the job, and can I just be slightly more formal than that? Okay. So that's that's typically the best bet. Yep.
0: Now, let's circle back. Earlier, we talked about social media and the way it's impacting um, how employers are finding candidates. Let's talk more about that.
1: Sure. I think social media is super critical in this day and age. I mean, 94% of recruiters use LinkedIn actively to find candidates. And if they don't like what they see, they might think that you are outdated. You're not like technologically savvy. Um, So it's really critical, you know, if you have five minutes today, just make sure your LinkedIn profile is complete and that you have at least 500 connections because those two things help signal to LinkedIn that it should push your profile up Uh, higher in search results. And the other thing that I think it's really critical to talk about when talking about social media and the job search world is keeping things professional across all online platforms. And I know you might be thinking, like, why do I have to be fake? Why can't I just be myself on Facebook? I don't even have anyone added other than my direct family and my closest friends. Well, there is no such thing as privacy online. So if you post something that is not politically correct, or something that would get you fired, I highly recommend removing it because um, if you're actively looking for a job, people are going to Google you. There was a time when I was trying to hire somebody and I thought they were like okay. I was like oh, I'm not 100% sure about them. I figured like with some training and you know some handholding they'd be great, but I Googled them and I found them using racial slurs on Facebook, and I was like nope. Immediately, I just, you know, dismissed their candidacy. Wow.
0: So that is an issue. Um, Let me ask you this now. It seems like everyone today is hiring. Um, Will that work for you or against you? It seems like there are a lot of job openings.
1: I think it really depends on the industry. If you're in an industry characterized by high turnover, like, you know, um, hospitality, food, food and beverages, I think it's a little bit challenging to kind of leverage that momentum. Uh, Recruiters that I'm connected to, that I speak to regularly have told me that people in like senior level positions, such as highly experienced IT professionals, directors of business development functions, um, and you know, those kinds of professionals are able to leverage the kind of uncertainty that people are having, um, that businesses are having with retaining their hires to negotiate better offers. So it does depend on the industry. I mean, things are, it's difficult to talk about things like, okay, in the United States overall or in the world overall, uh, it also depends greatly from person to person. I mean, if you're a go-getter and you're like amazing and confident, you'll find that you can definitely use the fact that businesses are experiencing turnover to be a little bit pushy, to be like, look, I know you need this position filled and you are paying $15 an hour which is minimum wage, but in addition to just doing the minimum, I can help you with X, Y, and Z, and I think I deserve $20 an hour. I can help you get the results that you want. If you feel confident in yourself and you're like, you know what, let me just take a risk. I'm interviewing with like three people this week. Why not try it? See what happens. What's the worst that can happen?
0: All right. That's a good lead into my next question because salary negotiation, that can be difficult for most people. How do you know if you're receiving the best compensation for your skill set and years of experience and your talent?
1: Well, my favorite tool to use online, at least, is salary.com because it's very easy to use. You just plug in your um, job title, where you're looking, how much experience you have, how much education you have, and, like, you know, a few other criteria, and it gives you a range, it gives you like a median, it gives you like a 25 percentile, 75 percentile. So it's really good for seeing, you know, whether you're being paid fairly, or whether your offer makes sense. Hmm. However, with any online tool, I think they start getting a lot less reliable as you uh, go higher up in your career. So if you're a C-level executive, or if you're a director, you know that there are people with your job title that are being paid as little as like $110,000 all the way to millions of dollars. And that range is massive and that range can, you know, make a tremendous difference uh, in, in your life and in, in, your, in your happiness. So the best bet, if you are a senior manager, is to network. If you are networking with other leaders in your space, you will get the most accurate salary data. Uh, if you know of any trustworthy recruiters in your space, you will get more accurate salary data. You know, I've spoken to recruiters concretely who tell me, like, when my candidates are underselling themselves, I let them know that they can go $20,000 higher, $50,000 higher. Um, however, it all seems intimidating. And you're like, this seems icky. I don't want to put a number on myself. This is such a stressful process. Just reach out to me. I can do all the grunt work for you. You can find me at careertuners.com. That's C A R E E R T U N E R S dot com.
0: Okay, so let's go back to something you mentioned. You talked about networking. So, how does that work in terms of making sure that you're getting the right compensation? Are you asking, you're doing networking? Are you asking people, you know, how much are you being paid? Or how does that work? Because that's an uncomfortable situation.
1: That can be an uh, uncomfortable conversation. But if you notice, like people that make a lot of money are comfortable talking about. How much money they're making. I personally feel that when we are discouraged to talk about money, it's because someone else has an ulterior motive to pay us less. Talking about how much you're being paid should be normal. You should talk about how much you're being paid with your colleagues, um, with your friends, everybody, because this helps you identify if you're being underpaid. And when you are networking as an executive, I mean, it's not polite to go to someone you know, in the first interaction,
0: I'd be like, how much are you being paid? Uh,
1: okay, uh, just it like this, I got this. a lot
0: of talking to do then. <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah, Rodney, tell us how much you're making. Right.
0: Yeah. <laughs> I don't need anybody laughing bet. at me right now. <laughs> <laughs>
1: the best bet for, you know, approaching this topic is if, For example, you are a marketing director and you see online that people are being paid as little as $110,000 to as much as $210,000 a year. That range is life-changing, right? Mm -hmm. So my recommendation would be to join uh, a marketing association, an association of professionals that specifically serves marketing professionals like yourself. And talk to the organizers about, you know, whether they have salary data, where you can get mentorship on um, what you know a fair, fair salary would be given the scope of your role and the size of your organization, and that should really help you, uh, you know, figure out exactly how much how much to ask for and whether you're being underpaid. As you develop friendships with people in your space, I think it's okay to you know be a little bit transparent, and be like, listen, I think I'm not being paid fairly. Um, you know, I think I should be making a little bit more, but I don't know if you know I'm, I'm just making this up what do you think someone with my experience should be making and if you don't mind me asking can you share like how much money were you making where you when you were at my point in your career like for example if you're a marketing director and you're talking to a chief marketing officer you can be like if you don't mind me asking how much were you making when you were a marketing director or how much do you think a marketing director in your company gets paid And that's like an easy way to kind of go around the question of how much are you making, bro, you know? So I think that approach would be the best.
0: All right. We're out of time this morning. If our listeners would like to find out more about Career Tuners, they would like to find out more about you. How can they find out more again?
1: You can reach me at careertuners.com. That's C-A-R-E-E-R-T-U-N-E-R-S.com.
0: All right. Thank you so much. I really do appreciate it. Enjoy the conversation. Thanks so much. Thank you. We've been speaking to Fatima Mirza with Career Tuners. Remember, if you missed anything or if you like more information on our guest, all you have to do is reach out to us on social media. You can find us at Sunday Morning Magazine with Rodney Lear on Facebook. Like and follow us there, Instagram, and Twitter at Rodney Lear on Air. Well, that's it for this edition of Sunday Morning Magazine. I'm Rodney Lear. Until next week. Be encouraged. Listen to Sunday Morning Magazine no matter what day it is. Use your favorite podcast app and subscribe to Sunday Morning Magazine with Rodney Lear today.
1: Peloton, let's go! This holiday, with the right music and the right motivation from world class instructors.